Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So by the time we get to this portion of the college football calendar, I'm talking about a couple of weeks ahead of the first game, to be completely honest, we have chopped up the Georgia roster probably every way that it can be. We've done breakout players. We've done under-the-radar players. We've done underrated players. We actually may do some more of that before the week's done, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, We have done the entire roster every single way. And one of the things I'm always afraid of, and I'm secretly probably sure this is probably true, is if you really <laughs> transcribed everything that I say from like January 1 until September 4, the number of players that I've put in the category of breakout for UGA, that list may be like 65 guys long by the time you actually get to the start of the season. I fully acknowledge that. I think it's probably just a, I just think it's, un, you can't help it, right? It's just going to happen. So today we're going to kind of do the same thing here for a moment, at least to a degree. We're going to talk about the concept of the most valuable players on the Georgia roster. Now, the word valuable to me in sports is always really interesting. I was talking to my son about this yesterday. So we probably in my family first got cable like late 1980s. Prior to that, we had the knobs. You like you know, had like three channels on the one knob and you had a couple of that channels on the other knob. That's like all the TV we had. But somewhere around like 1987 or so, we got cable. And you're talking about unlocking a entire world that i didn't know existed you had all this extra sports on and their cartoons on just all kinds of stuff that you know i didn't even really know existed and back then you know big sports fan and uh i had a brother and we both liked the braves but on cable you had like wor where they also showed new york mets games and you had wgn i think wgn is actually still on a lot of cable packages but wgn that showed a lot of cubs games and so you know brothers being brothers my brother kind of chose the mets on wor and i chose the cubs on wgn and we we're both braves fans but we had to have like a team that we were kind of on the other side on and he took Mets I took Cubs and you know back then like circa 1987 the Cubs weren't very good but Andre Dawson I was a big fan of his he just uh, you know kind of recently come to Chicago from Montreal and he was on his way to winning the National League MVP that season and there was this debate and I'm always kind of curious when I think back to sports debates back then of where exactly they took place because there's no internet there's no social media so I was aware that there was a debate going on but even to this day I'm not exactly quite sure where the debate took place because the way in which we argue and debate now that kind of stuff didn't exist back then but there was a debate that took place back then of whether or not Andre Dawson could be National League MVP given the fact that the Cubs were a bad team the line of thought went well how valuable can you truly be if you're not helping your team win any more games and the Cubs are winning circa 1987 which is maybe it's fair maybe it's not but we've seen like a thousand versions of that same argument since then of NBA and things like that where you know what is the definition of valuable and oftentimes we find out that valuable is not necessarily a synonym for the best sometimes the most valuable player is maybe not what you think of as the best player for whatever reasons in the world of sports valuable is just a word that kind of means different things to different people so that gives me incredible freedom here today if I'm going to talk to you about the most valuable players in the Georgia roster I'm going to identify four of them if I'm talking to you about the most valuable players in this Georgia roster, I can literally use any definition I want to for valuable because in the history of sports, as I identified and you could think of yourself, valuable seems to mean different things in different years and in different sports and to different people. Valuable is a little bit of a pliable definition. So for me, when I think about the Georgia roster, and this is where the UGA part comes in, I do think this matters. When I think about valuable in the Georgia roster, here's how I'm determining that valuable, that, that value. Who are the Georgia players who are going to make other players better? Now, that doesn't mean that who are the best players in the Georgia roster. That might be an entirely different conversation. And to a degree, that's kind of hard to know. But there are a few players for Georgia who I think have a particular level of value 
simply on the basis of as they go, they also might bring others with them. As as they succeed, they might also become something of a lever that makes it more likely for others to succeed. And so for me, when I look at the most valuable players in the Georgia roster, that's how I'm going to choose to define value. Now, you may define value a slightly different way, but you would at least agree with me, that I think anyway, that there are a few players for Georgia if they were to have a great season, it would be a very good thing because the likelihood of other players having a very good season is also increased there as well. Now, to get us started on this, I think the simplest name of all to mention here, and this is the most agreeable thing I think anyone could say, is that JT Daniels is clearly one of those guys. It's really good to have a very good quarterback, quarterback the most important position in sports. But if you really think about why that's true, if you really think about why that's true, it's not just because the quarterback's success helps the team so much, although it does. It's that the quarterback's success helps the other players in the roster. With that in mind, it was nice to see JT Daniels show up on the recent ESPN list of top 100 players in college football. I love when the NFL Network does this each and every year, and I think that college football should try to find a way to do a little more of this kind of stuff. It's just fun off-season fodder. The NFL has done this really well. I don't think college has done it quite as well, but JT Daniels showed up in a pretty good spot the other day from ESPN on the list of top 100 college players that become the season. In fact, let me read you a couple of sentences here from ESPN about Daniels. Uh, he needed time to get his feet wet under him after transferring from USC. I think better said he was recovering from injury. But once he did, ESPN says, he showed why he could make the Bulldogs a championship threat. And that's a cool thing to have said. And the addendum that we could put on the end of that sentence is, he showed he could make UGA a championship threat because he showed that he has the potential of maybe making a star out of Jermaine Burton. Think about Burton in that first game that Daniel started against Mississippi State. Jermaine comes with an eyelash of setting the school record for most receiving yards. That's the kind of thing that a player has happened for him when he has a chance to play with a quarterback like JT Daniels. You could say other things about, you know, other you know receivers in this Georgia roster that the value of JT Daniels is not just what he does for himself potentially making himself a first round pick at the end of the year but if Daniels has great success the Georgia receivers probably thrive and if for whatever reason let's say Daniels were to get hurt or let's say that sometimes guys just don't produce the level that you think they're going to that's has happened before in college football and unfortunately for Georgia if that were to happen with Daniels then all of a sudden you start diminishing your level of expectation for a lot of the guys that Daniels is throwing to as well the thing that makes Daniels valuable is not just his own skill set but the fact the position that he plays influences so many other positions there as well there's another name on offense that I think is very much the same way and that's Jamari Salyer this is true for a number of reasons in fact you could make a case that if you had to pick any one player in the georgia roster to be successful this year if you had a magic wand that you could wave and just make this true waving that over salyer's head would maybe be a pretty good use of your magic skills if you indeed had those because think about salyer for a moment he is clearly the best offensive lineman i believe on this georgia roster whether he's starting at guard or tackle or maybe even i guess possibility of starting at center He's clearly the best offensive lineman, simply a matter of where he's going to play. But I'm also a big believer, based on other offensive linemen that I've talked to, that offensive line is really a chemistry position. That You don't really judge five offensive linemen individually. You judge them collectively based on the way they play together. They are, I'm going to you know oversimplify this with kind of a clunky uh, metaphor, but it's almost like they're doing a dance together and how they move around with each other is what matters. And so Salyer not only has a chance to make a big name for himself this year, but the way that he plays also has the ability and the potential of impacting the other four offensive linemen who he's playing with. And it goes without saying that for a Georgia offense that's trying to break out and really explode at a higher level than it has before, if Salyer impacts the offensive line to the positive degree that th we might think is possible, then all of a sudden the chances of the Georgia offense achieving at its top end level that becomes more likely as well that if we're going to define valuable by the kind of guy who makes other players better then along with JT Daniels having the potential of doing that the other name that I think you have to think about on offense is a guy like Jamari Salyer in fact let's go back in time to a couple of months ago our buddy John Stinchcomb who joined us yesterday when he joined us in the months prior we talked about Jamari Salyer a little bit there at the time and I think John in his description of what he's seen from Salyer gives you an idea of why that 
he has the potential to influence the rest of the offense in such a mighty way. Here is our buddy John Stinchcomb on Jamari Sire. Take a listen to this. He's a football player. He moves well. You watch him play. I want guys like that on my team. I can fit him in at left guard, right guard, right tackle, left tackle, and feel like I don't have to worry about that position anymore. You know, Sawyer's a guy that he's selfless in that he's willing to, if the team needs him to play inside or outside, he's willing to do that. So I think that's really good stuff from John Stinchcomb, and in his own way, I think John's doing a good job of describing exactly what value is when it comes to a guy like Salyer. But the offensive part of this thing is a little easy to understand. Of course, the offensive line helps the rest of the offense, and of course, the quarterback helps distribute the football for the other playmakers here. But it's actually on the defensive side of the ball where I think this conversation also gets really interesting as well. Think about a guy like Jordan Davis, who also showed up on the ESPN list of top 100 players in college football. I'll read you what ESPN said about Davis here praising him for uh kind of some of the stuff that he does writing that the nose tackle statistics might be underwhelming but make no mistake Davis is a big reason the Bulldogs led the FBS and run defense in each of the past two seasons that's 100% true the one thing that I think though that may be less true here for this upcoming year is the notion that Davis is only a space eating nose guard the kind of guy that's good in clogging a running hole and keeping someone from being able to rush the football I think Davis, based on some of the stuff that Dan Lanning has said, some of the stuff that Kirby Smart has said, I think Davis has a chance to be a lot more of a three-down player for Georgia. In fact, if he's going to work his way towards being a first-round pick in this upcoming spring's NFL draft, and obviously the way that he performs as a pass rusher, as an interior defensive lineman in the SEC, a league that's been known to do this kind of stuff before, that's the kind of thing that you should expect to see more of from him. But that doesn't make him less valuable as we define value, making other players better. Think about this for a moment. Davis is so big that if he's still on the field on third down, you can't just disregard him. You can't just say, oh, well, he's big. He's not quite as quick as a guy like Adam Anderson or Nolan Smith, so therefore we don't have to worry about him. You can't do that. Davis is so big, and his technique is seemingly so sound, that he has the chance to just completely blow up an interior offensive lineman. And all of a sudden, that guy's running unabated to the quarterback and all of a sudden that gives an opposing offensive line opposing offense a lot more to think about you know the presence of davis not just occupying space but actually dominating the interior of the field the interior offensive line for uga's opponent boy that has a chance to also unlock the potential of guys like that you know trayvon walker adam anderson or nolan smith that that the days of davis being valuable solely as the kind of big guy that just occupies blockers so other guys can be free i think davis may do more of his own product production this year but as he does that i think it only makes the jobs of the other guys who are playing defensively with him that much easier now one more name i want to mention here so if you're following along we're talking about valuable players in the georgia roster defining value as the kinds of players for uga that make other players better we said two on offense JT Downs at quarterback, Jamari Salyer on the offensive line somewhere. And we just talked about Jordan Davis as the uh, nose man there for UGA. I want to finish by talking about Lewis Seen. And, you know, if you're if you're saying very best players in the Georgia defense, you may say a name other than Seen. But if you mention several names before you get to Seen, then I think you're making a mistake. I think you're undervaluing what Lewis brings to the table. And I was thinking about this before the show today, that – safety U doesn't quite roll off the tongue the way that rbu does or some programs call themselves dbu you know safety U for whatever reason just doesn't quite sound the same but man georgia really is especially in the kirby smart era working on a nice little lineage here of safeties when richard LeCount was healthy last season he was playing at a top of the sec type level richard was a very good player and he's had a really good preseason it seems for the cleveland browns prior to that jr reed was you know about valuable jr reed was an incredibly valuable player for georgia was associated press all american his final year at uga a guy who seemingly always knew exactly where to be that's a legacy of safety play under kirby smart that's actually pretty cool and there seems to be few doubters that lewis seen is the next in all of that and he's such a solid player that we probably end up not really speaking about him all that much because what else do you say about Lewis Seen other than it's obvious that if he's healthy, he's going to do his job? I mean, there's very little to say about him beyond that. He's incredibly physical. He's seemingly really smart. 
and he's going to simply do his job and he does it in such a way that makes you almost kind of fixate on other names there for a moment but also consider that you know Georgia's in a situation with its secondary where there are a lot of guys that we don't know uh, how that's going to play out yet cornerback a complete mystery the injury to Tyke Smith at the star we'll talk more about this in a moment has kind of thrown open some confusion there all the more reason to have the kind of leader in a secondary that could potentially lift the tide for others. That's what Lewis Seen has a chance to provide, the kind of guy in your secondary that makes other players in this roster better. In fact, Kirby Smart gave a couple of very interesting compliments to Lewis Seen the other day. Let me let you hear from Kirby. This is going back to Saturday. Lewis is a special talent. He has extremely good speed. He has extremely good toughness. Um, he's got good ball skills. He's got size. I mean, he, when you design a safety, I mean, he's he's got all the qualities uh, when it comes to it. And he's really been a student of the game. You know, he came in as a, a raw talent that had um, played, you know, up in Boston in, in his high school and then moved to Texas and bounced around. And, you know, he never really learned a scheme where he learned how to play the position. And he's really grown at that. He's playing multiple positions now for us, free, strong, and playing the money position. So he's been able to do a lot of different things athletically and, uh, he's tough uh, and he's fast. I didn't have time to play the full clip for you, but Smart also wanted to talk on talk about the fact that Scene's incredibly motivated. He has a child. I didn't realize that. He's motivated to play for his family and also the idea that he's taking a lot of internships away from football. He's got some financial motivations. He wants to, when his football life is done, I think it's going to extend a few years beyond his time at UGA, by the way, but when his football time is done, Scene wants to make sure that he's set up financially to live for the next 40 years beyond all of that. That's a pretty sharp dude right there, and that's the kind of intelligence that can also be utilized in the football field there as well that Georgia's got a lot of unknowns in its secondary right now, but when you've got such an emphatic answer at the safety position, and Smart says also the ability to move around a little bit beyond that, when you've got that kind of emphatic answer, doesn't it make the job of your young, untested cornerbacks that much better? In some cases, guys who've just arrived at the program, maybe. Doesn't it make the other safety, Christopher Smith, who's really seemingly growing into his own role there too, doesn't make his job a little easier too? I think Scene's the perfect example that we're talking about here. There are some players on the Georgia roster who, when they do well, other players are likely to do better too. And certainly Scene helps the secondary there in that regard. You can define viable however you want to. It's not always a synonym for best. There's a list of best Georgia players. Maybe some of these guys are on it. Probably many of them are. But ultimately, their value is also what they do for the rest of this roster as well. And on September 4th, we may see an example of just that. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, the page at dognation.com right there above the fold on the dog nation app i think there as well it's an amazing thing technologically speaking i have no idea how any of that takes place but i'm really glad that it does and very thankful for our sponsors who make all that possible including today my friends at engineered solutions of georgia you know it's been a kind of a rainy last couple of weeks we get into this kind of tropical weather season and it feels like you know georgia gets hit with more rain because of it and when that rain comes in it may cause you to think about a couple of things first of all water intrusion in your home whether it be garage crawl space basement that can be a serious issue I mean, you let water hang around long enough it can I mean, it made the Grand Canyon. It certainly can do, you know, damage to your home. So you got to be very, very careful about all of that. And that's why I heartily recommend Engineered Solutions of Georgia to handle that water uh, proofing stuff that you might be dealing with or a foundation issue. You know what it looks like. You see those cracks show up found in the wall, something along those lines. And you know that needs to be seen about because where whatever it is now, it can get worse in the future. Please don't put off making that conversation, having that discussion. Reach out to my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. They're great to do business with because they're proud partners of UGA. They've been good friends of ours for Dog Nature Daily for a long time. They've got two full-time engineers on staff. They have an entire team dedicated to solving your problem when it comes to foundation waterproofing issues. It's why they call themselves Engineered Solutions. They're a solutions-based company. They exist to solve problems, including yours. They're also very easy to get in touch with. You can give them a call. Simply dial 678-ESOG-NOW. 
That's right. Call 678-ESOG now, and that'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, we're a little long off the top today, but we got Connor Riley coming up in a moment. We'll get in with Connor on some of the stuff that's been going on at UGA practice as of late. That's going to be pretty interesting stuff on the way here in just a moment. Before that, though, let's go around the doghouse here today, and it's presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. And I want to zero in on something else that was discussed a moment ago, because if you look at the list of top 100 players in college football, according to ESPN, another name that showed up on the list, Georgia actually has a couple of guys on that list who are banged up. George Pickens, who we've talked about now many times, and Tyke Smith was another name there who I think we assume would be the star had he been fully healthy. And eventually, when he's back healthy again, maybe that's exactly what he'll do. But for now, he's dealing with an injury. And, you know, it's kind of frustrating. I mean, I've told you before that I think fans have a tendency to to overrate the impact of individual injuries, especially non-quarterback injuries that analytics folks, gambling community, folks like that, that you know, kind of have a little bit more of a numeric approach to the sport, a little bit less emotional approach to the sport. They don't move odds and projections very much on the basis of injuries. It's actually one of the things that maybe is different in football than than some people kind of assume. However, I don't want to be totally unemotional about this. The truth is, is that it is frustrating. You bring a guy in from West Virginia, that's a huge coup, uh, a guy who played at an All-American level, got a couple of All-American nods in the last season. When he's not there and available for you when he's thought of as a preseason top 100 player in the entire sport and he's likely not playing for you week one against clumps you know clearly there's some disappointment there for that but i did think that kirby smart on saturday gave a pretty revealing answer about kind of where the star position is in light of scenes absence and one of the guys that got prominently mentioned is a guy who's been at uga now for a while going back to the 2017 signing class uh, a true veteran Kirby Smart addressing all of that and more on Saturday. Brini's working there. We've got uh, linebackers working there. We've got uh, a couple other DBs working there. So I feel really good uh, about the the play of Brini from the um, bowl game. Uh, you know, Brini's played that his whole entire uh, career since he's been here. Uh, Pools played a lot of that, and uh, we've got several guys working there. So I think it's interesting to hear Latavius Brini earn that praise. I think most UGA fans who watch the Peach Bowl closely, I think most of them did feel pretty good about the way that Brini played. And I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Obviously, you'd really like to have Tyke Smith there for that game against Clemson. That's clearly a loss. We're not going to pretend that it's not. But we also shouldn't pretend that Brini doesn't have or whoever gets a chance to be in that spot. You would presume that Brini is certainly one of them. Uh, that they have a chance to get that job done there as well. To the level that Tyke Smith would be able to play, we may never know that one way or another. But to a very high level, contributing to the potential for Georgia's success, yeah, the chances of that being true, I would say, are pretty strong indeed. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. I want to make sure you know about some of the cool things going on right now when it comes to Georgia's Own Credit Union, including the Visa Signature and Platinum Cards, which offer all kinds of benefits for you. First of all, you can get contactless payments, which makes it really convenient, very, very easy to uh, pay your bill when it comes to that, but also kind of rewards and benefits here there too. Uh, And a lot of these can be used for anything. Gift cards, travel, cash back, merchandise. You can also, as a bonus, get up to $150 when you open one of those new Platinum or Signature cards. Really great stuff. Of course, there are some restrictions that apply, so the best thing to do is go beyond just hearing me talk about it and actually find out for yourself. Check out the website, georgiasown.org. That's georgiasown.org. You can find out about those Visa, Signature, and Platinum cards from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. Before we're done, we'll talk more about the weird alliance that seems to be forming around and against the SEC, what all of that is about. Also, uh, Tennessee coach Josh Heupel is getting trolled unmercifully right now, and I think you'll find this to be pretty funny there too. So we'll do a lot of that before we're done. But for now, on everything related to UGA, how things stand just a little bit less than two weeks away from the big game against Clemson on September 4th, let's do a Kroger Fresh Take with our buddy Connor Riley right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, so Connor Riley here, Kroger Fresh Day. Good coverage from him in recent days about kind of where things stand with Georgia. And Connor, I'll bring you in on what we were just discussing. Sometimes you don't really the, – the cliche is you don't know what you have until it's gone. I, I, the inverse that may also be true. If you never knew what you had, you've never known what you lost, if you're following me on this. So because Georgia fans have never seen Tyke Smith in a Georgia uniform – 
How much do you think his loss is actually felt against Clemson, given the fact that he has, and, and obviously Smart has said day-to-day on this, but I'm going to presume that those that have reported that he's out for a couple of weeks are probably correct. Uh, how much is a guy that we've never seen wear the silver britches, how much is his loss going to be felt against Clemson based on some of the stuff that Kirby Smart said on Saturday? It's hard to really quantify because, you know, again, we've never seen him. He came in in June, and from what we've seen in the past, it usually takes transfers and first-year guys in this system, you know, a game or two to sort of get their feet under them and sort of figure out, all right, this is how I play and function within the game confines of a Georgia game. Yeah. And in Latavius Brini, I I think it's one of the rare circumstances where you have a truly – ready-made replacement the only thing that he lacks that Smith has is is the obvious experience that Smith had at West Virginia whereas Breeny has only started a game but if you're you know if a starter goes down which a few of them have for Georgia in this fall camp Breeny's probably one of the more comfortable backups you feel you have given how well he played against a good Cincinnati team now Clemson's receivers are much bigger and in my opinion much better than what he saw against Cincinnati and that's going to be interesting to see how they attack the field there but you know for everyone talking up Justin Ross and what he might look like he did not participate in Clemson's scrimmage this past weekend he's still coming back from COVID so it's going to be interesting to see how Brittany sort of impacts that secondary when he is at that start position. I would also add, I would expect to see a good amount of Adam Anderson at that position, especially mm-hmm. as you know we get deeper in the season and we face less potent passing attacks than you would potentially see from Clemson. And I'm not going to pretend to be you know Johnny X's and O's here, but I mean that's fairly common for Georgia yeah. to treat one of its outside linebackers as you know that star type guy. We saw Lorenzo Carter do that. We we've seen other guys do that. That's not necessarily a unique facet to just Anderson mm-hmm. in this year on the Georgia offense. That's been fairly, I should say the Georgia defense, that's been f- a fairly common mechanism for Georgia now for quite some time. Right, that's a way to get Anderson on the field more yeah. and to have Nolan Smith and maybe an MJ Sherman or a Robert Beal there as well and have multiple sort of run-stuffing linebackers out there on the field. So you said a lot. I want to try to unpack this really quickly and also cover a lot of other ground there as well. First of all, in the case of Ross, I'm of two totally different minds on this. I root for all college football players to be healthy, right? Mm-hmm. I can't stand the notion of a good college football player missing a portion of his season because not only is it a loss for him, it's a loss for us who just love the sport and want to see the great players play. However, in the case of the Georgia thing, it's not that I'm rooting for Ross to be hurt. I'm just so certain he's not 100% as a fan of UGA. I'm going to be devastated if he is because at this point, and please understand what I'm saying, I'm not rooting for him to be injured. Yeah. I have just... You know, the, you know, kind of like the the Wall Street guys say, I have sort of priced into the market here yeah. the notion that Ross is not 100%. If he goes out there and has 125 yards receiving, just knowing all that he's been through from a physical standpoint, that's going to be a pretty devastating thing for me because I'm assuming it's like a Jonah Goddard or somebody like that we're talking more about as a, a leading receiver for, for Clemson and not a Justin Ross. Hope he has a great year. My assumption is this is too soon for that great year to begin. You hope he has a great year just as long as it's not against Georgia. I mean, I don't want to go so far as to say that, but you you understand what I'm saying yeah. like like I said this on the show the other day that when you think about players and their health there are probably a few play healthy players that you think are healthy that are secretly injured mm-hmm. but if you have any reason to think a player might not be 100% healthy then he's definitely not 100% yeah. healthy and Justin Ross is just another name on that list yeah and again it's his first game in over a year they've been very cautious with him especially with how he takes hits after having spinal fusion surgery and this Georgia defense is going to, you know, rough him up if he goes out there over in the middle, and it sounds like that's what he might be doing for them. I'd also point out, you bring up Joe Nata there, he's been nursing a hamstring injury as well, so you know, this Clemson passing offense, unproven, they lose yeah. their top two wide receivers from a season ago. Top three, if you include Travis Etienne, the running back that's that right. they yeah. had. Who was a huge part of their passing game yeah. last year. So, uh, this Clemson offense, while well, yes, they have recruited very well, and there's talent there, it is not necessarily proven talent, and so I think, you know, for as much as that has been made about this Georgia secondary and, and how to look and how it'll play it had the Clemson passing offense specifically those wide receivers have many of the same questions that this Georgia secondary I faces. think it's been the most uncover undercovered aspect of this game leading up to it. we're not to game week yet I'm sure it'll be talked about a lot next week but the fact that Clemson is right now fairly unproven when it comes to their key pass catching targets and they mostly get a pass on that because the fact they've been now as good as they have been for so many years but that is not an insignificant issue the other thing really quickly and I will talk about something different so I made a big deal last week about, look, emotionally, we're disappointed. I'm talking about the we who are Georgia fans. Yeah. The, emotionally, we're disappointed when a Darnell Washington gets an injury, when a Tyke Smith gets an injury. But the people who don't have an emotional tie to this, gamblers, you know, math geeks, people like that, 
they don't factor in injuries the way that fans do. It's no. not a national story. And I'm not disregarding this, but it's not a national story when Darnell Washington and Tyke Smith get injured. The point spread's essentially moved not at all. And that look at the Miami-Alabama uh, line that's moved six points in the direction of the Crimson Tide over the course mm-hmm. of the summer. Some of these week one lines do move in the, in, in, in the early months. But Clemson and Georgia still kind of stuck at that three, four-point number where it's been the entire time. The game was hard to predict before the injuries, remains hard to predict after the injuries, but the overall scenario, I really don't think has changed all that much. Georgia wasn't going to lose because, you know, Darnell, they couldn't get there because Darnell Washington wasn't out there. And follow me here because I know the logic might be a little confusing. But if Clemson was going to lose to Georgia, it was not because of, you know, Darnell Washington playing a bad game. He could very much have been a non-factor and Georgia still found a way to win. I do think that this is a... It was such, tight end was such an obvious way for them to attack that Clemson defense, which if you go back and look in recent Clemson losses, they have struggled to cover tight ends, specifically in the red zone. Thaddeus Moss in the 2019 National Championship game caught two touchdowns on him. In the Ohio State game a year ago, Jeremy Ruckert caught two touchdown yeah. passes. It's a way that has been shown time and time again. Now there's a little bit of a sample size on it that shows that this is how you can attack this Clemson defense that's not probably going to come to fruition now, I think, for UGA. I think Brock Bowers could certainly play a role in this game, but he is not the physical blocker that either Washington or John Fitzpatrick are. And some people are brushing off the John Fitzpatrick injury. Yeah. All reports indicate he did not he did not participate in the second scrimmage this past week, and while he might be able to actually play, you sort of wonder, similar to Justin Ross, what his health level is, especially if he's working on a bad foot there. Yeah, I want to talk more about tight ends here in a moment. It's our Kroger Fresh take with Connor Raleigh right now. Um... ESPN, we talked about this a moment ago, also has come out with its list of top 100 players in college football. There are five Georgia names on the list. Uh, JT Daniels, George Pickens, Tyke Smith, Jordan Davis, and Zamir White, who I think comes in at 90, Mm -hmm. White does. Just generally speaking, what did you make of the Georgia names on the list or the list overall? I was surprised how high they had Smith. And granted, you know, obviously he was the All-American. He grades very high in pro football focus, which I know a lot of people put a significant you know feelings behind but you know Tyke Smith could very well be an important piece of this defense but he had not yet beaten out Latavius Brini to be that clear-cut starting star and much even in a way that say like Darian Kendrick the other transfer defensive back that Georgia's brought in it's pretty clear he's going to be a starting cornerback for Georgia to start Mm. the season and I, I was interested how high they were and you know maybe they weren't interested on taking sort of high upside guys I think Adam Anderson is a name you certainly could have put on there and you know he had some production a season ago and looks like an obvious candidate to have even more I was surprised the ways Amir White has talked about is just so interesting to me because there are some people out there who and there are those in the Georgia fan base that are willing to pass him by and say hey let's give the ball to Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh yeah. more and then there are other people out there, and I like quite frankly, I was a little surprised to see him get voted second team all SEC. When you look at him a season ago, Georgia's leading rusher had ten touchdowns, actually had a higher yards per carry average than Kendall Milton did. I found I, the, the way Zamir White is discussed is really interesting to me, and I'm going to be fascinated to see how he translates that to the field because he was already Georgia's best pass blocker. He's a key special teams player. Yeah. He's probably going to be the first running back to get a carry in that game, yeah. if I had to guess, unless they want to get really creative there. And it'll be interesting to see how he is used over the course of the season because Milton McIntosh are obviously going to play a role. So it wouldn't be surprising if he finishes with around six, seven hundred yards. But it also wouldn't be surprising if he's like clearly the leading running back on this team as well. I'm going to talk more about this. I think tomorrow, certainly this week before the week is done. I'm fascinated by Zamir White right now. My natural tendency is to be a contrarian. I don't do it intentionally. I just I do it instinctively. And there's been so much talk about guys like Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh this offseason. And I get where that's coming from. Yep. I mean, I've heard, I mean, I've seen it with my own eyes on both of them. And I've heard really good things, you know, about especially McIntosh practice. You know, I, I totally get the idea that McIntosh and Milton are backs worthy of buzz. And James Cook's kind of his, like, his own thing because yeah. it, it sometimes you're sort of figuring out like how he fits into all this. But, but McIntosh and Milton, I, I totally get it. I have no reason to disprove the idea that they are prospects worth paying very close attention to but i do think that we're to the point now where zamir white just doesn't get as much attention from uga fans because uga fans are really eager to see players they haven't seen quite as much of which for whatever reason makes me gravitate towards zamir white that much more i have this sneaking suspicion that a lot of people are going to be pretending in december they run the zamir white train in august and i have receipts yeah (laughs) maybe we'll brandish those receipts maybe we'll be generous and and not 
And look, there's a chance I'm just wrong, and this is my like overly contrarian side that's you know can't help but come out. But I mean, go back and look at 2017, and gosh knows I don't want to you know uh, flippantly compare anyone to Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. But Chubb and Michelle were both better as seniors than they had been as juniors. In the case of Chubb, it's easy to understand because he was another year removed from a knee injury much much healthier and that makes all the sense in the world but Zoni michelle was also way better as a senior than he had been as a junior there too and you can say well the georgia offensive line in 2017 was way better and that's true but i'm not quite so sure that explains the entirety of michelle's year over year performance from 2016 2017 i have it in the back of my mind it's really probably not even so much in the back of my mind it's it's moving move closer and closer to the forefront of my mind that senior running backs sometimes just thrive and i think that zamir white could be on his way towards a better year than some georgia fans are expecting him to and if i'm wrong then i'll i guess i'll say that i'm wrong and you know maybe that'll be to the benefit of some of the other backs on this roster but the contrarian side of me is ready to say that there are some Georgia fans that are not paying enough attention to Zamir White. I mean, right just now. look at Alabama or even LSU the last two years with the improvements that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Najee Harris both made in their fourth years in the program. And I, I think that's not something to be discounted. I'm not saying Zamir White is going to have the seasons that they end up having, but running back is such a weird position because it is one, quite frankly, we've seen time and time again where you got you can have like an instant impact early on, but then you know maybe you level off a little bit as you go deeper into college and once you sort of are what you are and so Zamir obviously has had a very strange path to get to this point in his senior year when he signed a Georgia back in the 2018 class before he had his first knee injury I don't think anyone thought he'd be here for a four-year player I think he'd be they we all agreed he'd probably be a three and out guy and go be the next DeAndre Swift or Todd Gurley in the NFL and so for him to be back here for him to have really worked on a lot of areas in his game beyond just the running ability that I think has always been there it's going to be really interesting to see how he is used and how he plays over the course of the senior season because I absolutely think over the course of the year last year from game one to game 10 he got better every game of the season yeah I mean if you you mentioned the Alabama thing so I'll just I'll I'll go with you on this for a moment so last year's Amir White averaged 5.4 yards per carry Najee Harris for Alabama became a first round pick and maybe you know one of the focal points for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year uh he averaged 5.8 yards per carry and that's only a couple of tenths of a yard per play difference now uh Najee had a lot more receiving I should say a lot more rushing yards but he also had a lot more carries there as well he also scored a lot more touchdowns that's also an offense was scoring a lot more touchdowns in general than George was scoring the point here is when you look at uh, a guy like Najee Harris who was thought as one of the best backs in the country on a per carry average of 5.8 that's not it's almost it's not out of the realm of possibility to think Zamir White could do something. Yeah, like that. it's st- statistically indistinguishable uh, from what uh, you know Zamir White did at five point four for the season. So just keep that in mind when it comes to UG there for a moment. I want to talk about a few more things with you there as well. Let me remind folks this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley, and of course a lot of you get back to school, been back in there for a little while, and Kroger's still got everything you need. Supplies, obviously, this time of year with my kids, you know the teachers will reach out and say, hey, we have a little bit of a wish list for the class and. The good stuff is you can always go get all that stuff right there at Kroger. Uh, Obviously, lunch and snacks. And for my kids, it's like second lunch and then third snack and, you know, everything else. You can get all that at Kroger. Kroger Kroger.com slash school. You can find all kinds of stuff about that. And don't forget, Kroger going to be with us for Dog Nation Invasion coming up in Charlotte in a couple of weeks. And so that's going to be really fun there as well. So you wrote about tight ends at Dog Nation, Connor. And I think it's an important topic. I think the John Fitzpatrick injury is – to the extent that it lingers and i can't pretend to know exactly what the health situation there is but to the extent that it lingers i think it's a big deal fitzpatrick has played a lot of football for uga and like you know people act like you know that so he's not in the same you know realm sometimes the same realm of prospect as some of the other guys talk about this is a four-star from marist he's really tall he's a great looking athlete he's played a lot he's been a dependable target when they've thrown to him you know you know this this is another guy that i think is better than sometimes folks give credence to because a guy like darnell washington comes in he's such an interesting prospect mm-hmm. a guy like eric gilbert comes in there's so much backstory between gilbert and uga that naturally there's, there's just less attention to be paid to a guy like fitzpatrick but john fitzpatrick is plenty good to, good enough to thrive in a georgia offense if he can just be healthy enough to do so the key word to know with john fitzpatrick is trust it's the yeah. word that comes up very quickly from both jt daniels and offensive coordinator todd munkin you know he's not the athlete that darnell washington is he's not even the athlete i think that brock Bauer is but there is a trust factor 
that he brings to this offense that I don't think the other tight ends on the offense do. They know he's going to make the correct blocking assignment. They know he's going to run exactly where his route tells him to be, and he's going to be in that exact spot when the ball is delivered. And so, you know, we'll see if he ends up playing or how much he ends up playing might be the better question when it comes to Fitzpatrick against Clemson. But you lose a 6'7", 250-pounder in John Fitzpatrick. You lose a 6'7", 280-pounder in Darnell Washington. Clemson's defensive line is the best part of their team, and I'll be really interested to see how Georgia goes about blocking that front with extra blockers because you're absolutely going to need it because that is just how good that Clemson defensive line is. And for all we have talked about Brock Bowers and and what he brings to this team, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody in terms of what he brings as a pass catcher, I, I think that's important. But there's just no way he is the same blocker that Fitzpatrick or Washington is. He's just does not have that same frame size, and he has not been in the Georgia strength and conditioning program or a college strength and conditioning program for that matter as long as those other two guys. And I think that matters when you are taking on a very physical and fast Clemson defensive front. We've seen the Georgia offensive lineman in the past rush over to the sideline and throw the 45 jersey on or something like that. You know, a guy like Justin Schaefer, I think, did that years ago. Cade May certainly did that at times. You know, you may see one of those, you know. You could definitely see Warren Erickson and Xavier Trust coming in and having six-man offensive lines more often than you would perhaps think going into this game against yeah, Clemson. And, and that, like I said, that doesn't mean you have to be conservative, right? No. I mean, the, just no. Because you've got the the blocking tight end in the game, or in that case an offensive lineman functioning like a tight end, doesn't mean it has to be three yards in a cloud of dust. Nope. You can still throw off of that. In fact, that may be a reason to throw because you yeah. have enough extra blockers to give you a chance to do yeah, so. Yeah, you can even look back. Uh, there was a touchdown last year in the Alabama-Florida SEC championship game where Alabama went max protect. DeAndre or uh, Devontae Smith ran a simple post route and scored a touchdown on yeah. him. You know, sometimes it's just you. But you have all those extra guys in there to block and pass protect, and then you just say, "Hey, wide receiver Jermaine Burton, Kyrus Jackson, for example, go beat your guy one on one in coverage, and we'll get you the ball." And and I think that's what you're going to have to see these Georgia wide receivers do a lot of. Uh, as we kind of wrap up here, we talked before about you know the average fan. I don't think really cares that much about like the difference between like camp and like preseason practice which maybe you know now Georgia's like fully into game planning for Clemson but it is a, an important part of the football calendar because the first couple of weeks of summer really are about you know getting better as a player individually getting better as a team with even when you have a big game like Clemson seemingly very little thought about that Clemson game because you've got stuff to work on that's going to last you all 12 weeks of a season and I thought you did a good job Connor of kind of identifying you know some of the winners and obviously they're going to be winners they're going to be losers when it comes to a to a camp situation for UGA uh for the folks who haven't had a chance to read that at dognation.com give me a little bit of a snapshot about kind of where you think I mean obviously we can all talk about Andrews and things like that but beyond that kind of where things kind of stand for Georgia as they truly do move into what is now essentially game week preparations for Clemson. Yeah, I think three freshmen really had strong camps. I mean, true freshmen there. And Brock Bowers, we've touched on a little bit here. Donnie Mitchell, who I think is absolutely going to play a big role in this offense, especially after what he did in the spring, has continued to do this fall. And then Kamari Lasseter is a defensive back. The way I heard Kirby Smart talk about him this weekend, it sounds like they're trying to identify and find a place. You know, Kirby said the word home. That, to me, signifies a place where we can consistently play you and know that you have a role in this defense. And I don't think anyone anticipated that of the freshman defensive backs that Georgia had brought in, Kamari Lasseter would be the one we were talking about this quickly. Uh, another guy that, you know, we talked a lot about this offseason, and there were some discussion of what he might look like Tate Ratledge we just have not heard anything on and I I take that as a good thing I think he is absolutely locked down that right guard spot you heard Kirby essentially say that Schaefer Schaefer and Justin Schaefer and Taylor Ratledge are going to be the starting guards for Georgia against Clemson and it's the tackle situation they're still trying to figure out there And, and I think that's a credit to Tate just given the top level offensive lineman that Georgia has signed in the last two classes for Tate Ratledge to be the first guy to earn a starting spot there I think says a lot about him as a player and the potential that he has going forward for this Georgia team just to finish up here for a moment what do you make of the fact that you know Kamari Laster was according to the 24-7 sports composite ironically the number 247 prospect in the country which is a big time recruit but it's not as big as some of the other guys we talk about plus like Jared Wilson and Devin Willock and you know you obviously uh, uh ad mitchell even to a degree jackson meeks at times what do you make of the fact that so many guys who were you know not the most heralded recruits have seemed to earn i mean uh lad mcconkey's got a fan club <laughs> and, and maybe with good reason what do you make of the fact that so many of these guys are earning buzz as much as they are i think part of it is georgia 
you know, for all the talk about the five stars and how they do there, they do a really good job of evaluating those quote unquote lower level recruits because they're not taking all of them, but the ones that they do take, they feel pretty confident that they can come in and play a role. You've seen that with guys like Eric Stokes, Jordan Davis, who are similarly lower rated recruits and have gone on to be very good players. And because of that, I, I think there's a trust in the evaluation process there. And, you know, with Lasseter in particular, you know who the runner-up was for, for Kamari Lasseter's service? It was Clemson. Yeah. And I, I, I think the pedigree that Clemson has there says a lot about the type of player that Kamari Lasseter can be, even if you know he is only a middling, and I say middling, 250th ranked recruit in the country. So you know he's a guy who, again, you know didn't have the 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 hype surrounding him that Nyland Green wasn't an in-state recruit, sort of a quieter recruitment than than obviously Nyland Green had. But he is someone that has come in, and again, he's a high character background guy. Goes to a very went to a very prestigious high school there in the Birmingham area, the Ramsey School, I believe. I might yeah. be blanking off at the top of my head here. Any school that you go to that starts with the uh, is always yeah. a very good school, and that's something that Georgia tries to identify. They want to take high character, high 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 IQ, high football IQ guys, and I think Kamari Lasseter checks a lot of those boxes. Yeah, I can promise you my uh, high school did not start with the. Yeah. More of an the, hall, the Hall, were you East Hall? No, that no, was Johnson. Johnson? Uh, East Hall was a rival. I, I did not go to the Johnson the High Johnson School. The Johnson High School? No, I did not. Hey, Connor, I, I appreciate you being with us here today for our Kroger Fresh Take. I know you got a lot of great stuff coming at dognation.com in the uh, days to come. We'll look forward to reading that and, of course, chatting with you again very yep, soon. Yep, as, well. as always, it was a pleasure, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, really interesting stuff there with Connor Riley. We'll roll into an SEC Through here in just a moment. Before we get ready to do that, though, I do want to remind you about my friends at BetUS here. I've, I've talked to you about them for a while, and you hear us talk about them on SEC Country Live a lot on Wednesdays there as well. A lot of you are kind of moving to that time of year where you're starting to think about getting your college football bets down. We talked about week one stuff, interesting line movement that's been going on all summer between Miami and Alabama. Interesting that the Georgia-Clemson game has been kind of stuck in that same spot where it is. There's also really good stuff like Big Ten playing conference games week one. Ole Miss-Louisville is a pretty good week one game, too. There's really fun slate, and you can start thinking about that. But it's not just college football. It's all the sports, whether it be preseason NFL, uh, baseball down the stretch, MMA, racing, you know, golf, whatever else. Uh, it's America's favorite sports, but they've been doing this for more than 25 years, and the only way they can stick around as long as they have their bet us is by taking care of their customers including uh with the big sign up deponent uh, sign up bonus you're going to get use betus.com as your website then use the promo code dn125 that's dn125 and you get a 125 percent sign up bonus that means if you put in a hundred dollars bet us going to give you an additional 125 on top of that it's 125 percent bonus on whatever you put in to get things going there when you use the promo code dn125 that's the code to get the bonus DN125, betus.com, the website to go to. All right, with that said, let's roll through and do our SEC through here for a moment. We talked about the ESPN list of top 100 players in the country. The Associated Press has also come out with its preseason All-American team. A couple Georgia names on this list. Also, some interesting names from uh, around the uh you know the the rest of college football there two sec names included think about the first team offense for a moment evan neal is on there as an off offensive tackle for alabama bam offensive line was very very good a year ago if you want to start maybe even among the best that nick saban had had if you want to be thinking about bama's chances of replicating the success offensively that a year ago it's not just new quarterback it's not just new offensive coordinator although i've hopped on that over and over it's how well do you replenish that offensive line we typically think of alabama's being great in that regard uh, evan neal will obviously be called on to help uh alabama do that all over again i also think it's interesting to see justin ross here as a first team all-american wide receiver you know i don't not try to make light of that or, or be flipping about it because i hope ross has a great season I, I enjoyed watching him play certainly as a freshman for Clemson back in 2018 but my assumption is is that Georgia will not be facing a first team all-american level wide receiver in Ross week one my assumption is he's just not ready to be quite that healthy uh, as of yet maybe dusting the rust off just a little bit given the the health challenges that he's faced prior to that and maybe he makes a liar out of me in that game but but I, I, I think that's not quite the dominant narrative for Georgia Clemson. Start looking at first team, you know, all SEC, All-American all defense here from them. Another name from Clemson you have to think about, Brian Brzee. You remember him as a member of that recruiting class. Uh, Georgia certainly gave chase on him. And one of the reasons you're watching so closely 
for how the Georgia offensive line develops because you know battling that Clemson front is going to be such a challenge. Uh, Will Anderson shows up as a first-team linebacker. Of course, in-state product from Georgia, a guy who set freshman records for Alabama with his pass rush a season ago. And, you know, in a lot of ways it feels like the one that got away from UGA. I'll admit that. And watching how he continues to develop and watching how Georgia – develops whether it be mj sherman who they took in that signing class instead of anderson or the other outside linebackers who are trying to have the same kind of pass rush success that anderson's had for alabama that becomes a very interesting comparison there too no surprise that Derek stingley comes in as a first team all-american cornerback there's also a chance he may play some offense uh jake camarda congratulations to him being for being the first team all-american punter there obviously that's a real weapon for uga to have start looking second team for a moment you see jamari salyer showing up there as a guard uh, you start getting some other names from around the SEC there, too. Uh, defense, you get to Jordan Davis. Good to see him show up on there as well. Obviously, he came back to UGA for a reason, and that's one of those things worth considering. Uh, there is also an announcement expected today, and for all I know, it could have happened as I'm doing this show live, approaching the 11 a.m. hour. But the alliance is supposed to be formed around the SEC, and this is like the the joining of the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC as a as a, as a battle against the SEC, and like a lot of folks are wondering what this even really means. Like, here's the thing I'll say, and I'll just try to do this as quickly as I can. When Oklahoma, Texas joined the SEC, even people who are kind of unabashed SEC homers like me, and some of you felt the same way. It's clearly SEC getting bigger and seemingly getting stronger, but I think a lot of us expressed the same kind of feeling of in the back of our head boy i'm not quite so sure this is good for college athletics it's interesting and it's fun to kind of consider but is this really a good thing for the future of college athletics and a lot of us were certain it probably wasn't but we weren't really quite certain why and to me some of this movement of the so-called alliance feels like a step in that direction in other words there's a lot of folks who kind of shake this all off and shrug it off and say this is no big deal there's nothing to even consider here But I don't know. This to me kind of has the feeling of the kind of thing that will eventually be somewhat annoying for the average fan. I mean, think about how like business interests kept Texas and Texas A&M from ever playing each other since A&M joined the SEC, despite the fact there was all kinds of incentive within the state of Texas for them to do so. They were just obstinate and stubborn and chose not to do that. Whatever the stubbornness that's existed in, you know, College Station and Austin between those two rivals has been. It's not like we want that thing metastasizing around the rest of the country here, but I think somehow this alliance has the chance to to do that. And I'm also kind of in the weird position of while I'm a pro SEC guy, you know, I don't mind being thought of as an SEC homer, someone who cares about the SEC far more than the other leagues. There is also the weird aspect of me somewhat rooting for the alliance in this one regard. I've told you before, I am not a fan of ESPN having a monopoly on college football media rights i just don't trust espn to wield that power in a fair and you know uh uh, equitable way I I i just don't trust espn to be able to do that plus for the average fan i've told you before i don't think espn does as good a tv product as its competitors do i am very sad that in the very near future cbs won't be a part of the sec anymore I think CBS, even if you don't like Gary Danielson, what CBS does from a television standpoint is way better, in my opinion, than what ESPN does. The theme song, the da 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 da, like just everything about the ES, the SEC and CBS just feels bigger than the the SEC on ESPN. And so the ESPN having total control over the the SEC television product, I think, is a little bit of a of a disappointment. So. It is commonly assumed that the number one reason why this so-called alliance is going to be formed is a way of preventing ESPN from having an easy path to some sort of monopoly control over the college football playoff, essentially kind of incentivizing keeping Fox as a part of the college football media rights discussion. And I think in a weird way, that's probably kind of a, a, a good thing. So I'm a pro SEC guy, but in the case of the alliance and the battle for future media rights, there's a part of me that's sort of rooting for them to get another tv partner involved because too much of espn ends up feeling like way too much sometimes if you get my drift one more very quick thing to do on a show that's quickly turning into a marathon so this is very funny to me so josh heupel was the new tennessee coach was like giving this press conference the day he's talking about you know how how he feels about his team he started talking about the way they walked up the stairs at being he was he was impressed by that 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 basically like here's the problem 
is like every coach wants to be, uh, you know, the great coaches of the past. You start thinking about, you know, um, uh, the, you know, the great UCLA basketball coach was like, here's how we put on our socks. You start thinking about, you know, great coaches throughout history who've, you know, t- you know, this is a football and everybody wants to like be that guy. And so, you know, it's Butch Jones, brick by brick. It's, it's, it's Josh Heupel, how we walk up the stairs and Heupel's just getting roasted on social media for this. And I think, I think that he should, if you are a coach, you've got to be very careful how you speak. It is very quickly to kind of wear very thin on people by just an onslaught of cliches from the very beginning of your career. For a guy like Heupel, who's, I believe, having a hard time putting on the the costume of someone who looks like a real SEC coach, Heupel just does not look like an SEC coach. He's not senatorial to me. He's not presidential when he stands up there behind the podium. He doesn't have the look of an SEC coach. The best way to reveal yourself as an imposter is to misuse a bunch of cliches and things like that. And in the case of uh, Heupel, I think he's dangerously close to doing just that. Let me also give a quick shout out to my friends at Classic City Lager. It's just good cold beer available in six and 12-pack cans. You can find it wherever you do your grocery shopping. Uh, Show up and pick it up 12 months a year, including as we get ready for the upcoming season. It is a great companion for your tailgate. Uh, It's a lager-style beer, easy to drink, but no sacrifice on flavor. It's good, crisp, uh, really enjoyable flavor. It's Classic City Lager from our friends at Creature Comforts Brewing Company. So make sure you check some out today wherever you're doing your grocery shopping. So we'll roll into our golden shoe here as we wrap things up, a part of our Gator Hater roll call, and a little bit of an explanation. Are you familiar with like the social media challenges that pop up from time to time? There is a new one that has popped up. It's called the Crate Challenge. This is actually somewhat like mesmerizing to watch. People stack the milk crates and try to walk up them, and it's just really hard. I mean, I mean, I hate to be the kind of person that's in, entertained by watching people, you know, kind of fall, but uh, I'm that kind of person this is really entertaining to me really funny it's just really hard to do there's no way i could do this well this is kind of taken over social media as of late and one of the top prospects in the class of 2022 Kristen miller name we've discussed before has a warning to what he calls his fellow athletes this is our golden shoe for today because this is priceless advice Kristen miller says all my athletes i repeat all athletes stay away from them crates please uh Kristen miller's 100 right about that and he'll make the golden shoe award for that reason how about a gator hater countdown 67 days from right now we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia and on the podcast i'm now the rs andrews podcast cool down so a couple good comments rolling in here we're not gonna go super long with this today because the show itself was a little bit of a of an epic production but nonetheless i'm happy to have you with it for all of it happy let me try that again i'm happy to have you with us for all of it and certainly looking forward to the season that's on its way here very soon of course our buddy dari from rs andrew is going to be with us for dog nation invasion as we head towards charlotte that's going to be a ton of fun and you can check out rs andrews if you're not having a ton of fun right now some sort of water issue plumbing issue if your water heater goes out in many cases rs andrews can replace it for you the same day air conditioning if your water it's not going to make it hot weather still to come get your system tuned back up factory fresh specs cost just 99 dollars uh you can find it online at uh, rsandrews.com so austin kilby writes in to says that the recent georgia video was interesting with coach hartley let's see if we can hear some of this hold on hold on one second so we can do this So this is the video. I'm literally just holding my phone up to the microphone here. I'm assuming I can hear this. I do like when Georgia does this kind of stuff. I think that's always really fun. Uh, by the way, there's Big O. Is that is that is that from now? Uh, Connor says it's from a few weeks ago. I think it's probably. Um, I think that's probably true. I think that's from a. Uh, probably a few weeks ago but nonetheless kind of uh, clever that they do that but i do like when georgia gives you those little um windows into what's going on i'll also say this about hartley that you know it's been a while since i've been to a georgia practice but the last time i was there i can tell you that hartley is among like the three or four most uh um three or four most engaged members of a georgia practice coaching staff wise incredibly energetic uh, a really cool guy in terms of the vibe that he creates during practice. And obviously when it comes to impacting the biggest tight ends, I mean, Hartley's great at that. You look at Oscar Delp and, uh, 
you know, the fact that Georgia's right back in play from the big time tight end. We saw Delp as part of our Corky Kell Classic last week with West Forsyth, and I just think that's that's all uh, you know, really incredible. And I think it's cool that Georgia's showing off a guy like Hartley there at Georgia practice. William Bolton running in. We talked about Hunter Jones on the show yesterday about the uh, uniform stuff. And I, I do like those really interesting alternate uniforms that get shown. William Bolton kind of running that there as well, saying he just wants to forget about what Georgia did in 2011 against Boise State. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. Over time, you just kind of soften your stance a little bit. Like I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of a hardliner on certain things, very traditional in many ways. But over the course of time, I, I do just find myself softening a little bit on the idea of the – of the the alternate uniforms for Georgia. I didn't like the dog collar on the black jerseys last year. I thought the white stripe down the red pants was way too wide. I'm a little bit of a uniform geek. You know, I just like uniforms. I like all uniforms, not just Georgia's. I just I'm into uniforms. A lot of sports fans are. It's just something you care about. Uh I, I do like that kind of thing. And I think it would be sad if Georgia, with regularity, weren't, wasn't wearing like the silver britches anymore, even though they're not really silver, and the red jerseys at home, just kind of what I've grown up with. But you start seeing some of these creative guys on social media that can create these really cool edits. Um, and you know, you saw Dion Bowie the other day wearing the all red during his photo there at Georgia prior to committing to Texas A&M, so maybe the all red wasn't all it was cracked up to be. But the point is, is that – I do find myself softening my stance a little bit on alternate uniforms that that maybe this is old BA getting with the modern times here a little bit and being more okay with that stuff than I ever probably imagined that I would be. Uh, but pretty good comments all the way around. Um, so fun stuff. Appreciate all of you being here, and we'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. We'll take more comments, and we'll have a good time, and we'll get keep getting a day and day closer to that game coming up against Clemson. So can't wait for all of that. We'll see you back here for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Done After the Show, and find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. They will put a smile on your face because story after story, they've been delivering smiles. They can deliver one for you there too. And uh, you can find us for Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to speaking to you then, everybody.